Welcome to the podcast of Christ Covenant Church, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America, located in the township of Langley, British Columbia. My name is Gary Vanderveen, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you would like to know more about our congregation, please visit us online at www.langleychurch.org. Two weeks ago, we began our study on the Lord's Prayer, and we began by noting that we must not pray like the hypocrites. Jesus says in verse 5, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites, of course, as we saw, they pray for the approval of others. They want, they long for the praise of man. They want to be seen by others. They want to be heard by others. They are actually not praying to God, even though they may be addressing God, O God, our Father in heaven, O our great and glorious God, they are actually not directing their prayers to him. They are directing their prayers to those that see them, those that hear them, and they are parading their piety, their false piety before them to receive their approval, to receive their praise. They're not really concerned about God. It's not their main objective. They're not really interested in conversing with God. That's not their real objective. What drives them, what motivates them, is the praise of man. Well, this morning, Jesus continues... And he tells us that we are not to pray like the Gentiles in verses 7 and 8. And when you pray, verse 7, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Now, the Gentiles are slightly different from the hypocrites because the Gentiles are actually not vying for the attention of others. They're not praying for the praise of man. They actually do direct their prayers to God. They actually do want uh, God to respond to them. But the problem is that they have a misconception of who God is, and this shapes their prayers this actually misshapes their prayer so that they end up praying in a way that God will not answer. So how, is, how do the Gentiles pray? And what, what is their conception? What is their misunderstanding of God? Well, verse 7 suggests that they believe the only way God will listen to them is by their use of many words. Their empty phrases. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Uh, the King James, of course, uses the word vain repetitions. They need to heap up word upon word upon word to, to secure the attention of God, to, to curry the favor of God. They repeat a word, a phrase over and over again with the hopes that God will eventually listen to them and answer them. And you can think here of the Old Testament story that we just read. Here in, in 1 Kings 18, you have a showdown between Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. And actually, you have a showdown between Yahweh and Baal. 
And of course, Baal is the chief Canaanite god, the storm god, the rain god. He is the god of life. He is the fertility god. He is the god who sustains the crops. And, and we could go on and on talking about who Baal is and what he does. But the main point here is, is, is to ask the question, well, how do you gain the attention of Baal? What, what, what kind of god is Baal? What is his relationship to those who serve him? What is his relationship to those who worship him? And the answer to that question is, is simple. Baal was disinterested in the things on earth. He was disinterested in the people that worshipped him. And so if you wanted his attention, you had to fight for it. You had to manipulate him. You had to please him. You had to earn his response. You had to do something to grab his attention, but not only that, you had to do something to move him to action, to respond to you. And so what did the prophets of Baal do? They resort to empty phrases. They resort to many words. They resort to vain repetition. 1 Kings 18 verse 26 tells us that they limped around the altar as they said, O Baal, answer us. 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 But there was no voice. There was no answer. And so the prophets of Baal upped their game, so to speak. They cried louder, Oh, Baal, answer us! Oh, Baal, answer us! Oh, Baal, answer us! And they cut themselves, and they did everything in their power to get Baal's attention, but nothing worked. There was no answer. There was no voice. And the prophets of Baal used this empty phrase because they had to do something to get Baal's attention. They had to manipulate him. They had to yell at him. They had to scream at him. Why? Because Baal was disinterested. He's disinterested in those who worship him. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all think, at, we all think from time to time that that our God, Yahweh, might be disinterested in us, which of course is a lie. And so we resort to empty phrases, vain repetitions to secure his attention. We, we try to manipulate him. We, we, we want him to hear us and we want him to act. And so we begin to negotiate with him. We make deals with him because we think that if we, come, if we make the right deal, if we cut the right deal with him, he will respond to us. I remember as a young man, just a few years ago, when I was in high school, 
praying as the Gentiles do. Lord, if you let me ace this exam, I'll do this and this for you. Right? Like, I, I'm acted like I had, was in a power, in a position of strength, of power, that I could negotiate with God, that I had to do something. I had something that he wanted, and, and so I would offer it to him to manipulate him into to helping me ace the exam for which I never studied. Lord, if you get me out of this, uh, this embarrassing situation, this pickle, you know, th th that I got myself into, I promise that starting... Tomorrow, I'll be more mature. I'll be more godly. I'll be more faithful. And we all think that we can make deals with God, that we can manipulate Him, that we actually have something that He wants, and, and if we give it that to Him, He is obligated to respond and, and to give in to our demands. That's how the Gentiles pray. And Jesus says, do not pray like the Gentiles. And there are, of course, other ways in which we pray like the Gentiles. When we pray thoughtlessly, when we pray formulaically, we pray like the Gentiles do. You know, Honk if you recognize this prayer. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. By his hand we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Okay? Or this one. Lord, bless us food and drink in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? We, we, we go through it because, you know, it doesn't matter where our minds are. If we just get these words and, and we teach our kids this, don't we? It's like, if it's... Uh, at least my kids, before, when they were three or four, or I don't know, 20, you know, before they, they pray, Lord bless us, food and drink in Jesus' name. It's like, okay, it's some like magical formula if you can just get the words out. It doesn't matter because, because we're not hypocrites. We're not praying for the praise of man. So it doesn't matter if it comes out so fast that no one at the table can understand because we're praying to God. But if our prayers are simply a formula, if our prayers are not coming from the heart, if they're not heartfelt, if they're offered thoughtlessly, if we're thinking, if our minds are distracted, if our minds are a thousand miles away and we just blurt these words out for the sake of blurting them out, we are praying like the Gentiles. But it gets even worse, doesn't it? We can pray like the Gentiles even when we put the very words of our Lord upon our lips. When we recite his prayer, the prayer that he gave us to pray, we can pray the Lord's prayer as the Gentiles. Thoughtlessly, carelessly, a vain repetition. We come home from work, we're tired. We don't want to think about what we pray before our meal, so we just say, hey kids, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, okay? Our Father 
and that just comes spilling out. And our minds are still occupied with our work of the day. Our, our minds are thinking, anticipating about that Netflix movie that we're going to watch this evening. And they're just empty words, vain repetition. We do it, our children see that we have done it, and in this way we disciple them in, to pray in the way that the Gentiles do. Now it's important that we don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. It's important that as, as we address a problem that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Some of us, those of us with sensitive hearts perhaps, might, might arrive at the wrong conclusion. Some of us perhaps might, might think that, okay, well, if we're not supposed to pray this way, well, then we ought never to recite a rote prayer. We ought not to teach our children a set prayer before a meal or a bedtime prayer. Perhaps we, we ought to restrict how often we use the Lord's Prayer. And so we come up with a very rigid schedule in our family, in our daily lives. We'll, we'll use the Lord's Prayer at least, I mean, at, at most once a month to keep it really special so that our minds can be engaged in it. And then in church, we'll use it annually to make it even more special so that we can build up the, the uh, excitement as, as we look forward to that Sunday once a year when we recite the Lord's Prayer together. But that would be the wrong conclusion, wouldn't it? That's not at all what Jesus is talking about here. Even as we saw two weeks ago, so it is this week, Jesus is concerned with the heart. It's the heart that matters. It's our motivation that matters. It's our desires that matter. The issue is not long prayers per se. The issue is not repetition per se. The issue is not big words per se. The issue is not rote prayers per se. The issue is why we pray what we pray. Why we pray what we pray. And Jesus wants us to pray with childlike faith because we are praying to a God who loves us. We are praying to a God who is our Father. We are praying to a God who is deeply interested in us and cares for us. We are not praying to Baal, a God that we need to manipulate. We are praying to a God who loves us, who made us, who sustains us, who gives us all that we need for life and godliness. And, and notice in chapter 6 here how often Jesus refers to our God and his God as Father. Verses 1, 4, 6, 8, 9, 14, and 15. And this word father is, is pregnant with meaning and significance. Okay? Think of any uh, of, a, of a think of a healthy relationship between an, a, a good earthly father and his son or daughter. Right? Now, does, does, does a child need to do anything to get the attention of a good father? 
Right? Does, it, does a child need to say to a good father, hey, daddy, if I cut the grass, then will you listen to me? Daddy, if, 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 I, if I wash the car, then will you pay attention to me and, and give me five minutes of your time? I mean, who says to a good father, Daddy, if I do this or that, then will you give me some attention? What good father withholds himself or withholds any good thing from his children? What good father says to his children, no, I refuse to listen to anything you say until you do X, Y, and Z. And Jesus reminds us that we have a perfect father, a father who is in heaven, a father who loves us, a father who gives us everything that we need. Now, think about children. How, how do children approach their father? A good father, right? How do, how do children approach a good father? Do, do children have to repeat themselves, or do they often repeat themselves when talking to a good father? Yeah, they do. They can be very repetitive. But do we get upset with the repetitiveness? No. I mean, if it's formulaic, if they think that they can wear us down because of the repetition, if they think that they can manipulate us by the repetition, well, then yes, we'd, we'd get upset. But generally speaking, if they simply bring something to our attention, you know, over and over and over again, do we get upset? No, we love it. We love it that they're talking to us. We love it that they're sharing uh, their, their heart with us. Do children often use the same words, the same phrases when talking to a good father? Yes, they do. Does a child ever talk on and on and on and on and never stop talking? Yes, they do. I, I had that experience this week with one of my children. And it was a wonderful thing. You know, I had to put my my phone down and I, I had to engage and I loved it. It was wonderful. Does a child need to, to buy the love, affection, care, and concern of a good father, his good father? Does he need to manipulate his good father? Of course not. That's the issue here. It's about the heart. It's about what drives you, what motivates you. In his first, in the in the the first chapter of his letter, James tells us to pray in faith. Let him ask in faith without doubting. James one verse six. Well, why? Why do we ask in faith? Why do we ask without doubting? Because God loves us. Because God is generous. Because God is our Father. Because God cares for us. Because God gives us all that we need for life and godliness. In fact, God is far more willing to answer us and give us what we need than we are willing to ask Him. And when you think about it, what is, what is the, the one thing, what is the greatest thing that we need to ask for in prayer? Is it not this? 
Is it not that we must ask for more of God himself? Is he not our greatest need? Is he not our greatest desire? Is he actually not the greatest gift? And when we pray to him, asking for more of him, will he not give himself to us? He is the giver of all good gifts. And will he not give us the greatest gift of all, himself? And Jesus tells us that our God, our Father, even knows our needs before we ask them, verse 8. Do not be like them, do not be like the Gentiles, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And you might think to yourself this morning, well, if God knows our needs before I ask him, for him to meet those needs, why bother with prayer? What's the point of prayer? Why should I pray? And there are lots of reasons that we could consider here. Remember, two weeks ago, we noted that prayer is a chief means through which God advances his kingdom. God wants us to participate in his kingdom advance. God wants us to participate in, in the growth of his kingdom, in the great work of salvation. He wants us to be participants. He wants us to pray. That's how, in, in part, we participate. He wants us to be part of the solution. But you can think about this even from a human level. Parents, do you know what your children need? You don't? You're allowed to honk if you know what your children need. Okay, there you go. Good, good. Do you know how much your children need to eat? Do you know how much help they will need with their homework? Do you know how much help they will need to learn how to ride a bike? Of course you do, because you're the parent. And do you want them to ask for help? Do you want them to ask for food when they are hungry? Do you want them to ask you how to ride the bike? Of course you do. Why? Because you live in a real relationship, a living, vibrant relationship with them. And this is exactly how it is with God. We live in a relationship of love with him. And in any relationship, communication is essential. We tell God how we are feeling. We remind him of his promises. We remind him of his purposes. We remind him of his great salvation plan. And we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray, Father, we love you and adore you. Use us, yes, even us. We who are redeemed sinners, use us for the advance of your kingdom here on earth. We pray from the heart. Not heaping up empty, empty phrase upon empty phrase. Not heaping up word upon word. Not using vain repetition. We pray 
from the heart because he is our father and we love him and we adore him and we know that he will give us all that we need for life and godliness. So sometimes we pray long prayers. Sometimes we pray short prayers. Sometimes we pray set prayers. Sometimes we pray spontaneous prayers. But at all times and in all places, we pray in faith, knowing that God is our Father, and he will give us only what is best for us and what is best for the advance of his kingdom. Amen.